Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, as always, by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? Hello. How I y'all doing? I wanted to howl, but then I chickened out. Uh, <laughs> we could have used a good, a solid howling at that point, but, you know, I understand. You know, we all make <laughs> our Denver, Denver is howling every evening at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. Ooh, really? Yeah, just everyone just out their window on their balconies. They all howl. Next thing you know, they're just just every last bit of it. Yep. <laughs> every night. I love howl it. Howl o'clock. <laughs> well, if we're not howling at how wonderful everything is, how is uh, how has our weekend magic been? That's the other thing I'd like to know. How is everyone doing? What's going on? What have you been playing? What have you been doing? Have you played the game at all? It doesn't matter. I just want to know because I care. Conan Hawk, how about you? Uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Magic recently. Um, started picking up the Rakdos Aggro, Rakdos Sacrifice, whatever you want to call it. It's the one with the, the Dreadhorde Butchers, and uh, it's been pretty great. Uh, decided to play that in the Mythic Point Challenge. Uh, did pretty poor there, so then I, I was like, this deck's better than this, put it on Arena. Uh, I think I went 5-0 or 6-0 straight into Mythic, which was pretty sweet, so uh, got that going. Um, and then uh, they also put out the Arena Cube, so I've been playing a lot of that, and... Uh, after a little bit of frustration trying to play some of like the the more i guess like what i would consider streamlined aggressive style strategies i just realized that if you just uh, look at your lands and play the most greedy things possible um you end up just crushing everything so ended up like with like a sweet probably my favorite 5-0 list was a, a niv uh niv mizzet five color like all gold card deck um and did uh, extremely well with it so that's pretty great. Well, hot dang. That thing sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that, that cube thing was very interesting. It was cool to see cube in arena uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. It was kind of cool to kind of look at what they did with it and the different – the great alternate way to play the game. Have you uh, done more than a few, Hawk? I'm just curious. Uh, I've probably played 15 or 20. Okay, I did uh, – I probably did about 10 or 15 as well. I ended up with – it, like card for card exact same sealed pool like i had pictures of them right next to each other uh and i Wild. five one to both of them and played the same exact tag and it was card for card exactly the same it was crazy <laughs> yeah not sure if it was a bug or what but it's kind of cool the cube's a lot of fun though but yeah i played many many six and seven drop spells in all of my decks so it's a lot of fun that sounds fantastic is that is that what everything else that was going on in your week in magic mr toolshed yeah, I haven't touched standard since, you know, I don't know, a week or two now. Just kind of chilling. I got a lot of, like, I got into this other game's beta, so I'm playing that, trying to get into Valorant. So I mean, a lot of my time has been spent playing other video games, you know. Like, what our, na- our, what our podcast is named after, Animal Crossing as well. So I've been playing a lot of different games right now. Animal Crossing and then some. How about you, Caroline? It seems like everyone is just kind of, they're finding what their enjoyment of the game is. But if that, if that thing is standard a lot of times it's just kind of nah, I'm, I'm okay like where where are you are you just okay you having fun what what else is going on i'm okay i played a cfe online thingamabob qualifier thing oh the thingamabob qualifier thing yeah 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 i played yesterday the three o'clock one when i went 4-0 and then lost the last round so i both hate them and love the events it's very annoying i played cynic flat or cynic ramp I was going to say, if you said Cynic Flash, I was like, oh, hold on a second. You've... No, never. 
You'll things have, out of those words. Things have truly turned upside take, down if we find you playing my, a splash deck. Take my magic license if I ever play a splash deck. <laughs> um, yeah, I played Simic Ramp, and I had a blast, actually. They crushed the fires deck. Holy cow. But I was losing to Bant a little bit, so I need to figure out how to make that better. Overall, fine. Like, I want to keep playing them. I think the, uh, the event this weekend is kind of crazy. Like, there's only going to be a projected of, like, maybe 120 people that's if like that's the maximum number that i that i could predict uh and top 32 of the whole event goes to the pro tour so it's kind of an insane ratio like one third of the players go to the pro tour not a bad event. So, not a bad ev yeah so i'm really trying to qualify unfortunately i was going to play tonight they're kind of awkward because they're at four o'clock on my time and so I, I technically worked a five, but if I log in early, I can get away with playing a couple. So I played yesterday and then I was going to play again today, but I had a meeting, unfortunately, that overlapped. I can't, I can't exactly like change someone's meeting time because I wanted to play a magic tournament, but, um, and so I'm going to try and play Thursday and or Friday, uh, at least give it one more college try. So we'll see. That'll be a good move. That'll be a good move overall, I think. Yeah, that seems to be where a lot of us are at with the game right now. We're finding what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy. Uh, for me, it's just for the most part, like I'll click in, I, you know, play the play the cube uh, once or twice, and I was like, oh, that's really fun. I really hope I see more of that, like maybe a permanent thing later on. Uh, but for me, it was just, uh, you know, this is, I, I enjoy the game in its doses right now, and I'm really looking forward to when a new set comes out, which, speaking of, spoilers! Ikoria. We got to see the, the full announcement of Ikoria. We got to see Godzilla. We got to see all these other things. Now commander cards are out. Now standard cards are getting spoiled. All of these other wonderful things are going around. And now we see big old monsters. We see humongous mutate things. We see interesting artifacts. There's a lot going on with this set right now. And so, uh, Mr. Toolshed, I, I want to start with you. What was your first impressions when you saw all the stuff that's coming out for Ikoria? <clears throat> um, so... The very first thing I thought of, I was like, holy cow, I can't wait to cast Godzilla. How awesome is that? And then it took me a while to realize that it's not actually Godzilla. It's like Godzilla, which is like like a copy of like another card, but still it's pretty cool. And then second thought is, I don't know how Mutate works. I got to figure that out. Um, now I'm loving the set. I just thought every other card I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like it's a comic book card or like you know, some weird giant flying shark or, you know, some turtle that like time travels or something crazy like that. Like I just have so much fun with the set. I'm so excited. Nice. Hey, Conan Hawk, uh, I, I assume, you know, what's your, what's your impressions? Are you on the same tool shed level of hype about Ikoria or do you, do you feel differently about it? Where, where are you at with it? Um, I don't like, I'm not like super hyped for the cards and it, it like it sounds like a downer which i know would be you know basically just me um but like the thing is is like i think that a lot of the cards don't really like stand out as like incredibly powerful to me and i, I think that's like actually a good thing um and uh, like because i don't see like a like a you know like i guess like an uro in this set quite yet right so I think that like without without something like that, I, I'm I'm pretty excited because the I my hope is is that the when we do go to rotation that the the power level of standard just kind of decreases a little bit. And what that allows people to do is to to like be able to like put on their brewer cap a little bit more and then have like these pretty sweet brews. Um, which right now I think is a little lacking in standard, even though uh, there, the, even though like the the metagame is pretty wide, it's like you don't really see like a lot of like new sweet brews that just kind of pop out of nowhere and just kind of like crush. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of I can see where you're coming from on that. And I think I'm also interested to see uh, how the how the mechanics play out, both specifically like the the fact that cycling's coming back. The mutate mechanic, I think, looks really cool as well. There's a lot to like uh, about this set, or at least a lot to be intrigued about. And uh, Caroline, what what is it that intrigues you about Ikoria at first glance? Um, It's pretty cool, all the crazy creature monster things. Um, it's a little interesting because this is kind of our first set in a long time that hasn't had a story that's predictable from like very small amount of knowledge. Like once you knew Aldrain was a storybook set, you could you could infer a ton of the cards, just like a it's called like a top down set, I guess. And then Theros, um, it was already like a known plane. So if you knew anything about Magic, you knew a little bit about Theros and the enchantment based set. And then uh, Ravnica, same thing. Ravnica is all about the guild. So like you you know a lot about a set very quickly in the in the past like two or three years. Ixalan was the first newest set, but as soon as you learned about it, you knew that there was pirates, dinosaurs, two other things. Oh my, I don't remember. <laughs> what they were. Oh, Merfolk was one. And so this is the first time that this isn't happening. Like I'm still not really understanding what this set is. Um, it's yeah, it's gonna be really cool. There are tons of really cool cards. There's a lot of sharks for some reason. Um, I'm excited. I think card for card they're looking really fun especially the limited format there's lots of like huge things that are gonna be really cool but i'm just lacking the understanding of like ikoria equals what and other than the phrase there's always a bigger monster it's just not the same to me um and i actually am not a huge fan of the godzilla cards they're okay i think it would have just been a cool thing to talk about later like maybe like after the set comes out or something, you can reveal them. It was really confusing on the first day. Like I didn't understand why there was a card with like helicopters in the art. I was like, wait, Ikoria has helicopters? I'm confused. <laughs> At this point, um, if they spoiled a helicopter creature, I wouldn't be too surprised to be fair. So like like I like the roller coaster of emotions that I had to feel from like 7:30 when they started making this stream announcement or whatever it was was really confusing. But once I understood, there's not a Godzilla card in my pack of cards, and it's just as like a bonus special like Japanese Planeswalker style art. That's cool. Like I understand it now, but I I didn't appreciate it when I was trying to like figure out like what new cards am I going to play with in Ikoria. I'm like, well. When I'm not playing with Godzilla, so wait, there's not helicopters. I'm confused. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's they should have added it to some of the text of the card. You know, it's like okay, whenever whenever this card attacks, create three one one thopter tokens that buzz around it and try to attack it. Like that. That that's some top down design. That's what we needed with this. It does feel kind of interesting to see um, where where the past sets have been, the themes of the past sets, they they, they felt so, so strong. And I, th I think you're right. With Ikoria, it's like, yeah, big monsters. Woo. Like, that's that's kind of like a, a sort of a baseline of the set right now. So I'm interested to see what else comes of it. You know, more spoilers, more story behind it. I'm kind of interested in the lore as well. So it's going to be it's well, gonna be interesting as well with that. I believe there's a small amount of issue with that. So in previous sets for the last many years what used to happen during pre-release lead up 
and post kind of after the set came out, there used to be these weekly story columns. So each week, like an article would come out, it would be like, you know, three or four hundred words, it would give a little bit of a story. And if you read them all together, it would create a scene or a story for the set. Um, they moved away from that. That was, you know, a lot of work for the writers. And they're, they were notoriously not great. Like the writing was okay. <laughs> um, then they tried to do like two or three segments. Like one of the Ravnica guild sets that came out had this really cool thing where each week was a story about each guild. So there's actually 10 total that you can read. And they focus on like a really specific character that doesn't have a card, like just some random elf that's like running around the forest. And some of them were spooky as ever. Like some of them were really weird and cool. And so there was that. Then there was the whole novel stuff. Then like there was one famous art author, Brandon Sanderson wrote like a novel. Um, and that went well, that was really cool. And people liked the novel. So then which was like, okay, well we'll make some novels. So they, they made one for, I don't know if it was Theros or if it was maybe Eldraine. I actually can't remember, but there was a novel that came out in the last couple of months that just landed so poorly. Like the writing was really, really, maybe it was War of the Spark. Maybe it was even further than that, yeah. Uh, and it just was so poor and really not well received. So much so that Wizards made a statement of like, oh, we will try better kind of statement. Um, like it was really atrocious. Uh, and then they are no longer doing articles on story at all. The only way to find out stories for these sets are through these novels that are coming out. And there should be one coming out for Ikoria, if I'm correct. Um, it's unclear how good or bad it will be. Um, but the reason I say this is because this is a set where I really have no idea what the story is supposed to be. And I will basically not know unless Twitter tells me. <laughs> like, I, I'm i not gonna buy the book, like just being honest. Um, and the, so that's kind the, of disappointing to me. Sorry, I, I just did a quick Google search. It looks like there is the book online by Jago Wexler called Sundered Bond. But I remember somebody, the only reason I remember that is somebody pointed that there was a uh, an, uh, a title shot, like basically like the, the cover of the book with no words and no magic logo or nothing on Amazon. And it was just a picture and that was it. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I bring that up, Rasky, just to, to let you know, as much as I love the story, unfortunately it is a different world. We do not have these like um, kind of full blown like here's what we were thinking in our story ideas a little bit more monetized a little bit harder to get your hands on so if you ever need me to i can make up a cool story for you please do i think that could be a great we'll add it to our our bonus podcast at some point it's like story time with caroline except it's i think it's going to be like a mixture of like mad libs with like generated story that you've made and then pieces of other parts of the podcast that got cut over the last 20 some episodes that we just stick in as part of the story to add some like plot twists and things uh, I think at the end of it, you know, who knows? It, it could be a very coherent piece of lore that needs to be added to the magic canon. And it could not be. Well, come on. I try, I'm trying my best over here. Well, if if we look at, you know, if there's not lore to look at, the thing that there is to look at is cards. And there are a lot of cards, a lot of spoilers, a lot of things out there to take a look at uh, that could be very, very cool. And uh, I, I see Mr. Toolshed kind of rubbing his hands together because he is very excited to look at some of these cards. So, Sean, give me the look, give me the rundown of, of a, a handful of cards that really stand out to you. Okay, I'll fire off with 3.5 cards. All right, first one, Thieving Honor. It's three mana, two, two. Uh, it's two and a blue. 
when it hits someone, you draw a card. Very clean, simple design. Love it. Second card is um, uh, well, very. Okay. Go ahead. Well, we should we should go on a uh, round. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, let's discuss the yeah. card first. Why idea. why do you love it? What else do you like about the card? We don't just need like a okay. This card, this card, this card. Love it. See you later. Uh, and we walk. Around. I also want to hear when you talk about how cool your cards are. Can we hear in context? Like, are you are you referring to standard with thieving otter? Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't want to take up too much time because there's like basically nine cards, so I didn't really want to take up too much time. So gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it in context. I think sure. I think instead of nine cards, let's talk. Let's run down like three. Let's pick like. Well, like I meant, yeah, three per person makes oh, nine yeah, yeah, yeah. cards. No, but what right. I think we should just do is just do Sean goes first, then me, then Eric, then Brasky, and then we just go until we run out of conflict. Oh, until cool. we don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, yeah. sounds got great. It. Awesome. Got it. Got it. Got it. Wait, got is it. this all okay. going in the show? Because I hope so. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just gonna do this for no reason. <laughs> okay. So, but thieving honor for real? Like, do you actually see that as a standard card? I was actually wondering. Yeah, I think that. Um, Three mana two two is not screaming standard to me. Well, I, I don't know if it's going to be super play. The the effect of the card is pretty powerful, so it makes me want to play it. Right? Um, I would say like it would probably go in a deck like the Is It Spells deck, which has already existed as a deck in standard, right? Wait, but y you've seen the other version of this card, right? Yeah, that's the the point five part of my when I said three point five cards. You put the octopus on the otter. Yeah, but you know that the Sea Dasher Octopus is just a three mana two two, but has flash, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why you use both of them and you draw two cards. But do we? <laughs> okay. Yes, I, the second one was Sea Dash Octopus. Um, I think that card. But we get now it's spoiled. Now it's Caroline or Eric's turn. What's your card, Eric? Wait, uh, so my card, card huh? is Eric's on my left. Oh. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Sean gets to choose the order. Yeah. Well, if... Eric's just next to me, and then it's Caroline, <laughs> then it's Brasky. That went from a smooth transition to all of us going, wait, who's on whose side right now? Because Eric's, I'm looking at Sean, yeah. and I'm like, Sean, I'm, you should I'm, throw it to I'm Caroline. Next or... to Caroline, actually. I mean, for I'm all we know. Eric. Eric's right here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Eric is right there. Why and do we Eric's... do this every week? It's not <laughs> yeah. funny. We just stop. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's why. Also, why are we this week? We're in a line. Usually, we're in a set of four. Yeah, it's weird. We don't have like the square. We can't point up or down. Yeah, we're not Brady Bunch this week. We're just like a line yeah. of lame, lame people pointing that no one can see. A line of lame. That's <laughs> well. We know the we know the oh, title of no, this wait. podcast. <laughs> I have a question for our listeners. Does anyone work for her Discord? And if so, can you request that everybody sees the same order of things? <laughs> <laughs> this is very important to our podcast. Yes, we would like this, please. All right. Well, okay, go ahead. Anyway, my the card that uh the cards that I'm going to bring up um all kind of like bunched together and uh because Sean had already talked about it, I'm going to go with uh Sea Dasher Octopus, uh Lore Drakis and there's a there's another one that got spoiled I think earlier today that is also I sorry, I didn't have it pulled up exactly where I need it to be. Uh Parcel Beast. The reason I bring up all of these is they have mutate for 2 mana. And I think that's going to be really big. Um, if you're going to be playing a deck that is interested in, in mutating your creatures onto things, um, these cards are going to be very, very powerful, as most of the cards that have mutate, that have big abilities, uh, say like the, any of the, the three-color legend ones, or there's like one that, that does like Hero's Downfall, um, but it costs six mana to mutate onto something. 
if you can play those cards as the creatures and then just have like really cheap mutate costs on the play you know like the four like one of the five mana ones and the next turn just like play three of these mutate cards and just get that ability a bunch of times i think that would be like really like that that'll make these cards really cool What's and the um mutate one that only costs two mana other than the octopus uh sea decker octopus lore drakis and you be like more like color like give me something <laughs> um all right so parcel beast is a uh four mana two four with mutate blue uh green and what color uh, is the it, card? <laughs> it's blue and green i just said it's blue green okay where is it uh i don't know it just came out today it's an elemental beast. It's a 2-4. It's uh, two colors, a green, and a blue. It has mutate for green-blue. And then it says one tap and look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may uh, put it into play on, or put it onto the battlefield. And if, if you don't, then you draw it or you put it in your hand, I should say. Um, Lord Drakis is a red-blue and a colorless for a 2-3. as mutate for hybrid-blue-red, hybrid-blue-red. Whenever this creature mutates, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So, like, that's pretty sweet. And then, finally, C-Dasher Octopus is a blue-blue colorless 2-2 with flash that says, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. And then it also is a blue and a colorless to mutate. So, like, Lord Rockies is the only one that has an ability once it mutates, um, which is actually a pretty decent uh, ability as well. Uh, Sean brought up the 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 blue red uh spells matters deck might might be some interested in something this is like in a regrowth but the biggest thing to me is like looking at uh looking at like the spoiler you might like want to play this in a deck that has you know like um a luna apex of wishes which is like a red a blue a green and two for a six six so like a that's a five mana spell right you get a six six flying trample but then it says whenever this creature mutates exile cards from the top of your library so you exile a non-land card permanent or permanent card put that card onto the battlefield or into your hand so basically with like a luna apex of wishes you could like mutate onto this for two mana once it's in play you get that ability then you could do it for two mana again get that ability do that for two mana again do get that ability and basically just like end up casting like three spells or like putting three permanents onto the battlefield with just your you know with your seed actor seed dasher octopuses or um, you're like Lord Jarkeeses or whatever, whatever you'd like to do. So I'm that's pretty. Sweet. Gonna have to correct you. C dash uh, C Jacker Octopi Octopi is what we need for that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see how many uh, coverage people just uh, just ruin that card uh, by not referencing the plural appropriately. Oh, I, I like octopuses. It's like a, it's an it's a it's an interesting one. But wow. yeah, so like I think those cards are going to be pretty powerful and uh, and you know. Uh, I guess the the more octopi you can play in one turn, the better, I suppose. That's what I like to hear. Caroline, what stands out to you? Hmm, hold on, I have to remove cards we already talked about. We already talked about this one. Okay, I'll, I'll have my first choice right now. My first one is the Luminous Broadmouth Moth, which is also known as Mothra, I guess. <laughs> That's the, the crazy, like, uh, alternate art card. It's Basically, picture the card Nightmare Shepherd. Okay, you have it in your head. Your Nightmare Shepherd. Okay, it's that, but much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> Accurate, by the way. Just in case you're funny. <laughs> so, okay. First of all, Nightmare Shepherd is a black card. This is a white card. So it's two mana, white, white. So four mana card for a three-four flyer. Nightmare Shepherd was a four-four flyer, to my knowledge, right? 
So it's okay. It's fine. A little downgrade. Whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner control with flying, aka a flying counter. So if you recall, Nightmare Shepherd's like, oh cool, your thing died. You have to exile it and then I'll give you a one-one. <laughs> don't don't worry, the one one's on me. <laughs> this Mothra's like, oh, your thing died, bring it back. Come on over, bring back the card. Oh, here, here's some flying for it as well. So this is a very different. Like you don't have it, it's not a token, so that you can't bounce it like Nightmare Shepherd could be bounced to fairy or whatever. Um, and then you also just get the actual like real copy of the card. So it's still a big six, six or four, four or whatever it was. Um, and then it has flying on it. Interestingly enough, I just thought about this. This doesn't work with Uro, which is really funny to me. <laughs> Cause if Uro dies and then a broadmouth brings it back, it returns it to the battlefield, right? So it did leave. So then Uro will check if it, if it mm -hmm. came from the, if it escaped from the graveyard. And yeah, it, it, it escaped. No, yeah, it so, <laughs> yeah, but you would still gain six life, draw two cards, and put two lands into play. Sure. Well, what for three mana? Right. Oh, so okay, okay. I guess yeah. So you can go like you cast Uro, it you gain three life, you draw a card, it dies, <laughs> or you sacrifice it, and then you bring it back. Has right. a flying counter on it. Has a flying counter on it. Then you draw, then you draw a card, gain three, and then it goes away again. <laughs> Yeah, then it goes to the graveyard because it didn't escape. Wait, in response though, you cast the the new black doom blade that came <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then do it all again. <laughs> Combo. <laughs> anyway, long story short, I believe it's very interesting and very funny that two cards are very similar back to back sets set, sets to set, um, and I believe this card is cool. We'll probably not see that much play as Nightmare Shipper did not see that much play. Um, but whatever. I'm happy. It looks cool. It's going to be busted and limited. <laughs> you just get all your creatures twice. You're so screwed. <laughs> and now we go uh, from the section of the players looking at cards for their merit of how they will play out in different types of competitive formats to cards that Brasky uh, thinks are the best cards in the set so far. So my card is Colossification. It is a five, <laughs> five mana with double green. So seven mana for an enchantment or an enchant creature. When Colossification enters the battlefield, you tap the enchanted creature. The enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. But the best part about it is that the card art is in essentially a house cat that has been turned into both a saber-toothed tiger and its own version of, like, Kitty Godzilla with the most glorious, like, main talons thing that comes out of their neck, but it just also, it just wants scritches. It wants scritches, it wants to be loved. Everything about that card, I go, this is why I'm buying this set. Because I just want to play a card in draft, or it doesn't matter the format, I just want to play a card that's like, boom, awesome, giant kitty. Your go. So, there's one of the really funny... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say one of the funny things that um, one of my friends who plays a lot he loves his he loves his brews, loves his combos, loves making all of these wacky things work. He, he like his thing is always trying to bust the format and stuff like that. And his card, or he wanted to bust it with this card. There's a card out of I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it's Theros that says it's a three mana two with haste, or sorry, a three mana three two with haste. That when it enters the battlefield, you attach all the auras from the graveyard onto it, um, and then or onto creatures you control, Storm and Herald then something. yes, 
Storm Herald is, is his name, and you can attach the Colossification to it. Um, and then there's two ways that you can then attack your opponent, because Colossification obviously taps your creature, right? Uh, you can then untap it with something like Claim the Firstborn, or you can cast Fling with it. So they were they were like debating like if this Colossification card actually just like busted it because of the Storm Storm Herald. Um, I told them that there's a lot of ways that could this could go awry, um, but I think they're still probably working on it because they're they're just gonna have to try it to to make sure that it doesn't work. I wouldn't even try to like uh, come up with logical reasons to refute you. You'd be like, oh, there'd be some issues with this, and I, my my only response would be, Nah, it's not. It'll be fine. That's basically how the conversation went, actually. <laughs> I was like, you start with a 3-2, right? And like the ETB comes on, and they just can like shock it, and it dies, right? And there, he's like, yeah, but if they don't, it's a 20-20. You're Ka- like, yep. <laughs> Caroline, what's your thoughts on uh, my love of classification and um, its potential in uh, all formats? Uh, specifically, I think it's going to do well in uh, Legacy, Vintage... <laughs> Um, vintage cube, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, so it's all it's all going to be great. I'll make that. an exception. So I was just going to bring up. There's actually been a large history of of cute cats on cards. Um, let me think if I can name some off the top of my head. There's a card called Enlarge uh, that had a kitty like under the water, like it was diving into the water. It was actually also a five mana instant. This one, or this one gave like plus seven, plus seven, and trample or something. That, so that was the thing. Um, there was harmonious, uh, no, harmless offering, harmless offering. That was like um, you passing a cat to your opponent, right? That was yeah, that's, yeah, you're giving your, your yeah. opponent a tiny cute kitten. Nothing bad will happen. And there's like a snake on the tail. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. I think okay. <laughs> yeah, no one ever noticed the snake on the tail. The cat's too cute. No one ever Does suspects. Does that mean that the card was a success because none of us would have denied the cat and then we'd all be dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, someone's famously won a grand prix with this card oh yeah because uh, they gave away the demonic pact yeah um, uh, the pact that like lets you lose the game that was so dope chris bolo bolo no something like that botello botello yeah there we go um so so anyway long story short is i actually have an art at home of a cat like a it's not enlarged i actually thought it was but it's something different but it's a little cat getting huge <laughs> um and so it's actually quite a common style to use like these really cute castle cards. So which is letting you know that if you wanted to go back in history, um, you will definitely love some of these older cat related cards. Yes, class. Hawkeye is our hand raised first, so he gets to go first. Um, since I'm I'm the magic historian, I wanted to bring up the one of the first times that the cats were in magic was actually a mistake, which is kind of interesting. Um, so there was a, uh, I think it was, I think it's Susan Van Camp might be the artist, uh, was uh, commissioned to draw a, a uh, card called Waiting in the Weeds, um, or at least it was ended up being called Waiting in the Weeds. And they wanted her to draw a bunch of squirrels that were hiding uh, behind like trees and behind bushes and like kind of just like, you know, like, like the card says, like Waiting in the Weeds. Um, and she decided that she did not want to draw squirrels and decided to draw cats instead. Uh, so they had to actually fundamentally change the card and then um, and then also uh, then change the card tokens. So uh, while there were squirrels in Magic, like squirrel tokens in Magic, up to that point there hadn't been cat tokens in Magic, and then this became the first time that we got to see cat tokens in Magic. And I learned something today. <laughs> 
So the one thing I wanted to say about this card was when it first came out, I thought it was way better than this even. I thought it came into play when on a creature and then tapped one of your opponent's creatures. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's what I thought it did. Because, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, they make a giant cat, and then the cat, like, makes a biscuit, like, on the opponent, right? Like, so you just, like, get to tap one of the creatures, and you get to come on in or something. Like, that's what I thought the card did. Now that it taps your own creature, it's, like, le- way less exciting. But it's still a really cool card. Yeah, not, if that was the case, then, yes, no, I would, I would have, like, <laughs> bought up a million copies of it on day one. Just said, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stake all of this over here. You know, the the market in the regular world is just going to crap. I'm just gonna buy this one card. And I'm gonna stake everything on that one. That's what's gonna be. Well, Sean. Although if you do, if you put it on a Dreadhorde Butcher, that that kills your opponent, right? If you just like sack that to an oven. Whoa! Oh, look at you there with your fancy plays there. Eric, you don't brew decks. I, I really don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> Well, what else? Uh, what else stands out to us, Mister Toolshed? We'll stick with you. What's another card that stands out to you from the Ikoria set? Um, I think the next big one is uh, I love saying the name just because it's so ridiculous. Uh, Shark Typhoon. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know Eric is really low on this card, but boy, I am. I would so like low. to go first next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this your card again? Sorry. I will also say the card that I have pulled up as well is Shark Typhoon. So. <laughs> Consider well, so this counts as three cards in one, my friend. He didn't even call it Sharknado. Like, why are you even playing? He called it by the actual <laughs> name. <laughs> You're supposed to call it Sharknado. Uh, anyway, so yes. tell us what it does. Sharknado is a five and a blue enchantment that um, when you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token flying. Rex is that spells converted mana cost, but that's not why we're playing this card. But wait, there's more. That's why you're going to play it. Oh, I mean, but wait, there's more. I'm definitely playing it. Uh, It cycles for uh, X colorless and a blue. And then when you cycle it, you make it one giant shark where you paid X mana. Um, So you can make like, I don't know, an 8 8 shark for 10 mana. Like, that seems really cool to me. Shark doo doo doo. Giant shark doo 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 doo. Notably. Uh, in the Teferi mirror, when you both have Teferis in play, I get to end step cycle Shark Typhoon, and then they can't respond because I'm cycling my Shark Typhoon, and they uh, and then I get to one shot their Teferi. That's what that's how the game plays out of my well, head. They can still re- like if they have a removal spell. Oh, if you're saying if you both yeah, have if we both have Teferis in play in their end step, I make a giant yes, shark, okay. and then I like one shot their Teferi. Um. So in my head, that's how it plays out. It's probably not going to work like that. This card probably isn't nearly as good as I want it to be. But boy, do I love this card! I'm really Surprise. looking forward. Shark dude. Shark dude. So two things that stand out to me about this: one, I'm really looking forward to your strategy article called uh, "Cycling My Shark Typhoon." Uh, is going to be a fantastic article. I can't wait to see. The second one is that uh, I, Caroline, I'm going to need you to get back into the recording studio because whenever we do coverage again, or whenever anybody does coverage and they play Shark Typh- Typhoon, that music is going to play the entire time that the card stays on the battle. Like that's what it's gonna we're, be. We're doing another tournament coming up, and these cards will be legal for that tournament. We might have to. We might have to do some for workings Pascal, for the Mythic Society thing. Right, right? We, we might have to work on uh, influencing a few players into uh, putting giant some sh- shark doo 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 <laughs> giant shark. 
Is that a button that you're gonna teach me how to make? Mm-hmm. By the way, Brasky. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the shark typhoon the shark typhoon jingle button. Yeah, we'll put that together. You know, we'll code yeah, it all can, in. It's but can, it's not like it's just me singing from this podcast. Yes, but it's also gonna yeah. be on like cardboard live. So when Twitch people like mouse their put their mouse over it, it just starts. But it it stops the minute that the mouse comes off of it. So it's like they no. mouse over it, and all you hear is baby shark, baby sh- baby ba- baby shark, okay. dude. That's all it's gonna do. So Arthur's been making me pop-ups for my stream, and I want to get him one where a shark just goes across the street, the, like the screen. Like, it goes like, baby shark, and just like swims across my screen. It needs to do that, but it needs to have legs like Sonic the Hedgehog, so it looks like a tornado as it like goes across the screen. So it's like a shark head, but like this whirlwind lower half, like that's what we need to see. Oh, okay. this is like the baby shark thing. <laughs> Okay, Boomer. <laughs> Caroline, once again, coming with a singer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, yeah, now I know what you're talking about. Oh, my oh, gosh, my Eric. God. Never change. I love okay, it. Okay, okay. Whose turn is it? Uh, Master I'm, of all things. No, um, it's not you, Bresky. No, I'm going to go over. Obviously, I'm going to say Sean it's, is- yeah, Sean is pointing to his left which means that it's two spaces plus one over plus go back a space and then don't go directly to jail. So I think it's Conan Hawk's turn to talk about a card. All right. So I wanted to talk about a uh, a reprint that I'm, I'm surprised that no one has talked about yet. Um, Wait. And I think this card is like extremely powerful. It is a card that <laughs> is it an every artifact? time it's in any format, it just like Let sees him. play. It's inc- like it's so good probably one of the best cards like i've ever seen i've heard this card like people are saying it's unfair and should be banned i i I think so opening hand yeah it's it's so crazy and a cheater for having it in your opening hand yeah i i i I think i think that that's actually fair to say if you do start with it in turn and play on turn one you might as well just be called a cheater i think what amazing card can i play in standard i'm I'm so looking forward to it right that's not what we're saying here. <laughs> so the card that I'm talking about is Soul Ring. And the reason that I, I got really, really, really worried and excited all at the same time. So I was scrolling through the, the, the spoiler and I just like came across Soul Ring. And I was just like, what? Like, what is this? Why is it in my set? And then I was like, oh, they're, they're spoiled. So for those that are spo- going through the spoiler, um, be warned. There are some commander spoilers in, in the spoilers as well. Uh, so it's just like really interesting, but I, I, uh, yeah, that card's still legal in Commander, I suppose. Yeah, it's not too shabby. There's things about it that uh, it feels like a, oh, I don't know what Commander always loves to do, which is ramp and do ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I think that's not too shabby. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Caroline, yeah, like you, you, okay. you start with like you know, I you start with like your land, and then I go land soul ring, and then you go like another land, and I don't know, play like a secure tribe elder or a signet or something, and I just like play like I don't know. Like Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, you know, or something, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty. So I've been doing okay with the spoilers in terms of knowing a commander card versus not a commander card, but the issue I have is when the so I didn't know this. I thought it was just a coincidence that they were releasing commander cards at this time. I was like, oh, whatever. They just like two, two right hand, left hand, didn't know what they were doing. I didn't realize that the commanders are Ikoria themed. So every time I saw a card with mutate or saw saw a card with cycle. I just assumed it would be an Ikoria card. So there was a card today that I was I was trying to find it. I just can't see it. But it was like, if you, oh, here it is. So it's Dismantling Wave. So it's Cycle, 
six white white so cycle eight mana and i was just saying out loud i was just like wow like i've never seen a card where the cycling is so huge and then uh sam was like oh what like what what does it do when it cycles and i was like oh when you cycle this mantling wave destroy all artifacts and enchantments and he's like oh okay that's kind of interesting he's like it's a rare i'm like yeah and then he's like oh what does it normally do and i was like oh for each opponent and then we both pause and we're like, oh shit, it's a commander card. <laughs> like I just I just didn't even read the text of the first part. I just kind of went to the cycling cost. I was like, oh, that's a weird like eight mana cycling. I've never seen that. And then I just got so tricked. So I understand what they're doing, but I got tricked and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. How dare they? I, I, I will admit I fell prey to the same thing. But if you were not tricked by a card, what was a card that you weren't tricked by that you still dig? Okay, so let me go back back to my list of things. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna steal a whole cycle because you know too bad. Um, so there's actually a super interesting cycle. There's two. There's both the people that are Braskies of the world that will like this card for like not its powerful abilities, but it's really pretty art abilities. <laughs> um, and then also uh, this, I believe some of the cards in the cycle are kind of insane. So there's a, a cycle of Mythos. Um, so there's a black one. There's Mythos of Nethroy? I don't know. Um, and this one in particular is two colorless and a black. Uh, so three converted mana cost. Instant destroy target non-land permanent if it's a creature. <laughs> okay? Or if green and white was spent to cast this spell. Wait, where'd the rest of the text? It's an unfinished card. That's it. Right? That's it. That's Wait, all I just read it. Maybe I just read it wrong. Oh, whatever. I'll just explain what it does. Basically, what it's saying is, if it's a creature, you can just pay any, like, you can just pay any colorless mana and black, and you just destroy the creature. If it's uh, a non-land permanent, you have to play Abzan colors. You have to pay green, white, black. Um, so it's kind of like an Abzan charm hidden in a mono-black card. So it's kind of interesting. It's pretty cool. Um, also, like, the, all the mythos are like that. So there's five. I think we only have four spoiled right now. So this is the fifth one. The blue one's not out yet. Um, but what's also really cool about this card is these are um, Seb McKinnon arts. And he actually has been doing a like tweet thread on how he did the art. And it was the, one of the first times he submitted non-digital art. And it's the first time I've seen non-digital art uh, on Magic Cards for a while. Uh, at least, you know, at least be, been told, hey, this is not digital. Um, and how he actually painted these involved like a giant piece of birch wood that and then he took a bunch of like mud well not actually mud but it was like pumice rock and other like artsy things and he like just rubbed like all over it and built like almost like a, a rock wall like a, on the cave it was meant to mimic the cave drawings um and then and then he drew the this creature and he talked about all the lore he used and all, and all that stuff and it was the first time i was just like so involved i love Seth mckinnon art i always Every time I love an art, I'm like, oh, of course it's Seth McKinnon. But watching him describe how he made the art made me like fall in love with the with the card even more. So there's some other cool ones. I don't know if they'll all see play. So the black one is like a you know like an assassin's trophy of sorts. Um, the white one is kind of interesting, right? So the white one is each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker, and keeps that one and then sacrifices the rex rest and if you pay mardu mana you get to keep you get to pick for them 
What's up, class? <laughs> so, I did. I wanted to jump in with just a a quick, real thing about the art thing. Um, obviously, you did an amazing job describing it. I, I just wanted to bring back that, like, when Magic first came out, a lot of this art was like not necessarily exactly like this, but like it was like more, I guess, like um, rough, not as digital, I guess. And I, I I love the fact that like these have this look because I loved the the way that the the old Magic cards look. They felt they felt almost more. I guess like more magical than than the 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 newer art, the digital art. I feel like these are like, you know, you you'd see these in like spell books if you open them up, which is like pretty sweet. Yeah, I I was saying the other day that I just think Seb McKinnon in particular has really pushed the boundary on magic cards. Like he has definitely submitted some normal magic cards. We looked them up the other day, and there's like some cards that are just like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like a a, a typical magic card. But I believe over time he's either tricked someone or been given permission to like go crazier. And this is just another example of all the crazy arts that he's submitted. And it just, I don't know, I'm super in for it. Like I'm happy to see the the cute kitten that's, you know, jumping onto Brasky and eating him. That's adorable. Um, but I'm just really excited for the different things that we get to see from some of these artists' head. And one thing I like about Seb McKinnon a lot is he often thanks his his art descriptor uh, in his tweets. Like he'll say, like, "Oh, I worked with this person that you know described the art, and they're really cool." And and it was like cool to see that relationship. It's definitely stuff you just don't see as a Magic player. You're like, "Okay, cool card. Is it busted? No. Okay, cool." <laughs> like so, it was nice to see like that that process behind it. Nice, you know. And speaking of cats. Uh, there is another card that I thoroughly enjoy that I've always wanted to bring up, but also because it brings up a mechanic that I don't think we touched, we touched too much on, and that is, <clears throat> and that is uh, Lurus or Larus or Lurus of the Dream Den. Uh, specifically, is another kitty, but he's a cat nightmare, legendary creature with companion, and so the companion mechanic is something that kind of you get some bonus stuff. You get to do cool things if you meet certain conditions of the rest of your deck. So he's uh, one and two hybrid white-black mana for a 3-2. And he comes with companion. Each permanent card in your starting deck has a converted mana cost of two or less. He also has lifelink. And during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with a converted mana cost of two or less from your graveyard. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know how what kind of deck would would want this or what that deck would look like but color me intrigued uh and just in general the companion mechanic is something that really intrigues me of the of you know build around these set of restrictions and kind of go from there yeah i think uh you've kind of had this type of stuff before right is uh like for those that don't know, Brasky is also part of our Hearthstone team, and um, very true. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. The, the <laughs> H, the H word card game. Yes. Um, and and uh, they they've had these restrictions before. I remember playing, um, was it even even Warlock? I think is what I played. Yeah, it was the um, release of the Witchwood, where they had two different cards, where one you had to only have even costed cards, and the other was you only had odd costed cards. Which one was the odd one? I feel like that was the busted one, or that was Baku. was it another bust? Baku was like a nine minute. Oh, that was right. That was the Baku priest, right? Like that was the machine gun priest. Oh yeah, and that I, and, I played both of those. And the, that was pretty good. The thing was is that those cards ended up being so repressive in terms of uh, the the style of decks that you make that they ended up actually removing those cards from standard uh, a year early, like an entire year, which was nuts. 
And I looked at these, and, and that was the, some of the first impressions of some people. And be like, oh, no, they're doing the Hearthstone thing. They're doing all this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, no. It, the, the restrictions that Magic has come up with for these cards, uh, I think, are really, really awesome. And really don't make it this don't make it in a situation where it was so one or the other it's putting restrictions that are kind of cool and they don't break the game but they also can do other cool things by that i i, I think some people uh might disagree with me uh certain uh pasta inclined uh giants of content creation uh i.e the mighty linguini what, what is your opinion on some of these com- companion cards or the mechanics themselves so um I definitely had Luros next in my list, so thanks a lot, Brassie. You're welcome. Um, I'm willing to be cautiously optimistic, but as much as we all love Standard and we play a lot of Arena, there are other formats to think about, and even in the last, like, 12 hours that this card has been legal, people have come up with some crazy deck... Um, deck designs based on Luros in uh, external formats, and I think that that could be a problem. Um, having, like, the thing that's really important about this card is you the restriction is convert to mana cost for permanence, but not for spells. So, you know, it, there's a lot of creatureless decks where this just doesn't apply, and you just get a free two dra- a, a free thing from your graveyard. There's a lot of um, modern and legacy creatures are generally very low priced anyway. So you can just play all the low cost creatures and then play high cost spells and you just get, make sure you get them back. Like, um, Tarmogoyfs or, you know, dark confidants or something like there are going to be ways where this card will be busted. And just starting with eight cards in your hand is pretty interesting. Um, I know you're, you're saying that there's, there's so many options for your companion. So everyone can do different restrictions, but I believe people are just going to find the best restrictions and be like, okay, this is what I should play. Um, in fact, it's so clear that some of these are broken that they've already been banned before they even got to be played. Um, and so I was waiting for someone to bring up a companion card, but there is a very adorable, one of the cutest arts that I've been installing because I can't find it. Um, really compute, very, very cute uh, otter. Where did it go? Uh, it's Lutri, the spell chaser. Oh, it was much further up than I thought. Um, So this card is a companion, and the companions were meant to be played in all other formats, including Commander. Um, But the restriction is each non-land card in your deck has to have a different name, which is Commander. Commander is just that. That's actually, that's the definition of Commander um, and Brawl. And so it became very apparent that any blue or red deck or five-color deck or whatever could just have this hundredth and one card for for no value or for lots of value for no like cost to them but other can have this card so they've actually before the set's even out before anything's even happening this card has been banned as your companion i believe you can still have it in your deck in commander i'm pretty sure but Probably. the actual ability of being a companion is now banned and that to me is like it's it's concerning that this new thing that you're bringing out, we, you know, you just have 10 of them, I assume, and they all have different companions. Maybe we should be more, we should be careful about what we're effe- in, bleh, impacting around us when you add 10 new things like this. Like you were bringing up in Hearthstone that there was just two and one of them was so broken. In fact, they both kind of were broken, I think. Um, 
And yeah, there's 10 here, but that doesn't mean that two of them will be broken, which clearly they might already be. <laughs> um, and th that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that the, the Luros one that you said is just going to be everybody's 15th sideboard card that plays anywhere of blue or white or black mana. Um, and that's kind of concerning. Also, this one's my least favorite thing about this card is that it you can't play it in your deck because it breaks its own condition. So most of the other ones fit into their own condition, whereas this one is just a permanent creature card that's more than two. So you just can't play it in your deck. The, the cat is I the leader, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. Yeah, I, I was kind of annoyed about that. I like the idea of being able to play both one as your sideboard card and then also some in your deck. So I was kind of annoyed about that idea. But. Oh, gotcha. But that's it. And so, so these ones, but these ones are the ones where it's kind of like a command zone, right? It's separate from the rest of your deck, so you don't have to worry about it, like drawing it or any of that kind of stuff. It just sits separate from your deck, and then when it's ready, like a commander, you just put it back. You just put it into play, right? Kind of. Uh, it, it, yeah, kind of is it, the right answer. It, it, oh, does, magic. it does that, like the way that you say that. But like commanders, when they die or like they leave anywhere, you can put them back in the command zone. They cost two more mana or they get like a commander tax on them. This one, when it, when it once it hits the battlefield, it is a creature. The other thing that's kind of odd from it is that it is it starts in your sideboard um, and you have to reveal it at the start of the game and it has to like sit in its own and always has to be in this revealed. So... There, like it's kind of like the command zone. I'm sure that most people are going to use it like the command zone. Um, and Caroline actually has more to say about this because she brought it up at our meeting. Um, but I just wanted to bring up like it, 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 like the big thing between the companion and the commander is that a commander, if it gets bounced to your hand or gets put on the bottom of your library or gets killed or gets exiled, you can put it back in the command zone. These cards don't. They don't get replaced. They, they once they're in play, they are what they are, and then the game just continues like it got cast from your hand. How interesting. Um, so what I was going to add to that, so here's here's how it's going to work. You're sitting down next to your opponent. You're like, oh, hey, it's my opponent, Eric. How's it going? Eric, um, let's roll the dice. Let's talk about you know who's going first, et cetera. Um, actually, it probably happens before that. But anyway, Eric, uh, I have a companion. Uh, my deck currently meets the companion restrictions <laughs> so you flip it over and you say hi bring you luros <laughs> um so that means from game one you're telling eric eric my deck has permanents in it that are exactly cmc zero one or two i do not have any permanents so planeswalkers creatures artifacts that are greater than cmc two i could have spells that are greater than that you don't know i don't have to tell you don't ask me <laughs> um, so you play game one you lose game one eric crushes you and you go into your deck and you have a, de a deputy of intention in your sideboard, which is a three mana creature that uh, you know takes something when it enters. And you're like, I really need this deputy of detention in my sideboard. I need it to beat Eric's zombies or cats or whatever. So you want to bring it into your side into your main deck. That's fine. Game two, you can totally do that. So you side it into your deck. And then what you do is you take your companion that you've probably left in some sort of command zone. And you, and you take it and you flip it face down and you say, I am not presenting my, my companion now. Then you play your, your game, you play your deputy of detention and Eric's like, ah, that's why you didn't use your companion, stupid brassy grr, my zombies. And then you win. And then you decide in game three, you're like, you know what? I crushed him easily. Um, he doesn't, I don't need my deputy. So you take out your deputy and then you say, okay, Eric, we're going to game three. I am presenting my deck with my companion. 
there's a couple issues. One, people aren't going to do that. We're lazy. We're stupid. We forget. <laughs> like, we're just not going to do that. We're going to forget that there are going to be times where we shouldn't present our companion when we do. Uh, that will go away over time. A lot of new new mechanics have caused that problem before and, you know, whatever. We, we'll get over it. But I believe there's a scarier side, which is people not presenting on purpose or implying like they presented. And that's kind of the more skeezy underworld of magic. And I'm just cautiously worried that that could cause people to take advantage of people that don't know the rules. So I would just say, be really careful and say, I am presenting my command, my companion. I didn't say it. <laughs> um, or I am not presenting my companion. That's, that's all I will say. The only just part, the, the only part of that statement that you got correct from my perspective is that uh, I would only ever play a deck in order to get my opponent to say, ah, my zombies like that. That would be, <laughs> that would be the only reason I would ever play a deck. So in that, in that sense, yes, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Anyway, I just uh, on that same thread, um, this set in particular, while it does not have a story that I bought into, it does have a ton of new things. Uh, mutate, uh, we talked about it briefly, but not a lot. Companion, um, what we really didn't talk about, actually, can I add one more card? I know I wrote that I wanted to stop, but we, we need to talk about one more card. Which is? Um, Crystalline Giant. The three mana artifact creature, uh, three colorless mana artifact creature, it's a three three, lots of threes. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose a kind of counter at random and Crystalline Giant... Oh, never mind. It does say it doesn't have. Oh, my bad. I didn't read that earlier. Anyway, that Crystalline Giant doesn't have from among Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, Vigilance, and plus one, plus one. Um, which of these do not belong? Anyway, put a counter of that kind on Crystalline Giant. So there are 10 that I read very quickly there. Um, so on the beginning of your first combat, you can put 10, you roll some variation of dice and you get to pick from 10, and then you go to 9, 8, 7, 6, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, all I wanted to point out with this card is there is a new thing called ability counters. And going forward, if a card refers to a counter, it's referring to either a plus one, plus one counter, uh, actually, or a minus one, minus one counter. Um, or any of these new ability counters. Uh, so good luck. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, do what you got to do. You can take whatever you want from that kind of stat. Um, Just be careful is what I'm saying. This We're in a new age of magic. Luckily, we're not playing paper magic, so who knows? It might not matter. But um, paper magic, when, you, when we all leave our houses after like 12 months of not showering, it will not, paper magic will look very different than it used to look. So just keep that in mind. Sean, I know uh, when I'm uh, not bathing, uh, it's strictly because I'm too busy theory crafting what can be done uh, in in this set when it comes out. And so, you know, kind of a last impression from you when you see the mechanics that are out here, when you see the creatures that are going around, uh, the, the the possibilities that are at hand before you, whether it's standard pioneer or otherwise. Uh, what's the final impression that you get from seeing some of these cards? I guess just my overwhelming like opinion is I'm not 100% sure it's more powerful than what's in standard currently. I mean, like we have a lot of powerful things going on already. I mean, we touched on Uro and stuff like that, but regardless of power level, I'm just very excited to play with these just awesome monsters. Like it brings out like my 8-year-old at heart. Like I'm just very excited to play with all these cool magic cards again. It's been a long time since I felt very excited about a set like I am with this one. 
nice. And I'm happy that that makes you feel that way. And at the end of the day, that's that's kind of that's what it's all about, you know, is finding finding the joy in whatever the set is or whatever the games that we're playing, whatever it is that we're doing. It's about finding joy in in any of that. And uh, some of the things that we find joy in is improving at the game. And we always like to feel like we are getting better and working hard and, and at least improving slightly in some little bit shape or form. Because if we, if we don't improve just a little bit from day to day, then we're almost taking a step back. And, and Sean, I want to bounce right back to you. What's the one thing you're doing this week to get better at the game? Um, I think I'm just going to kind of follow up with what I've been doing the last week. It's just taking a break from standard, playing some historic cube now, which is very fun. And I actually played Commander on uh, Skype for the first time in like, I mean, it's the first time I played Commander in literal years. So just playing more casual magic, just trying to remember like why I love the game and playing other games to keep myself fresh for Ikoria. Playing Nothing, S- I'm not, Skype Commander. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not really going to be learning too much about the game this week, but uh, I'll be back next week with Ikoria spoilers and brews and stuff like that. So you just like take a webcam and have it just facing straight down onto a table where all your commander stuff is, and then you're just 100. playing with three other people and going at it? 100% correct, you are. I love it. See, that's that's the type of ingenuity that we need. Conan Hawk, what's the <laughs> one thing you're doing this week to get better at the game? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be playing at least one more LCQ, the Last Chance Qualifiers. Uh, for the this weekend's Magic Fest thing, um, and so that basically just trying to get my Rakdos deck perfect uh, or as perfect as I can get it. Um, but then also I do need a little bit of sanity, uh, so I'm gonna also play. I'm gonna play some more Cube. Um, it's kind of like a like Sean said. It's kind of like a nice break uh, from just like the the grind of of um, of Mythic or and, and all that stuff. Like trying to get the highest part on Mythic or whatever. Um, but I do want to, I do want to try to qualify this weekend, uh, for this weekend's thing. So I do want to make sure that my Rakdos deck is, you know, set up for every matchup that I think I'll be playing. Nice. And Caroline, what are you doing to get better at the game this week? Uh, so I also will be playing at least one more, hopefully only one more qualifier for this weekend. Um, I didn't play a lot for the regular Grand Prix. I was, I had made plans already for both weekends, so um, this is kind of my catch-up. And also, it occurred to me that there will be about 120 people at this finals, Grand Prix, whatever you want to call it. And of those 120 people, 32 of them get Pro Tour qualifications, which is like an insane ratio that's just never occurred before, in in my opinion. So um, like a one-third ratio. So if I can spike a qualifier... Um, that's kind of my goal. And unfortunately, yesterday I did go 4-0 uh, into losing the last round. So it was pretty darn close. Um, hopefully that's not the closest I get this week. Or maybe that's the closest I get because of the next time I actually win. But we'll see. Um, that's kind of about it. I'm doing a stream tomorrow with Dana Fisher. <laughs> um, nothing else crazy planned. I have plans to do Paper Commander with some friends as well. Um, but I haven't worked out the details seems complicated well that and i don't own a commander deck (laughs) and that's kind of what i'm looking to do to get better at the game is that uh, i've basically kind of looked at a lot of the uh ikoria spoilers and and looking at the the new commander products because they're all about like you know it's the year of commander and we're doing all these other commander things and you know i don't have a paper magic deck yet um you know I, I i can go i can go and play i love to play draft and i love to play sealed like if i'm playing Draft's in paper first 
stash. I know. Gee, it's guys. But I just, uh, I have enough store credit where I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to buy in this spot? It's like, well, I can buy a few of those Commander 2020 decks. That might be my first step into the format is to just get myself like a good setup of... Uh, those commander decks. So I, I might be exploring that one. I, I think it'd be a fun way to get into the game. And if not, hey, there's always a fun standard deck to see what shakes out and then kind of buy them on my own for that one. So what what am I going to buy in paper for the very first time? That's kind of what I'm looking at with the game. And uh, of course, once I do uh, buy those things in paper, I'm still going to play digital because uh, I'm still going to compete and I'm still going to play a Magic Fest online and uh, Mythic Society and all the other things that are going on with that. And to give us a rundown of just some of the slight shifts that have happened in the competitive format is the Mighty Linguini Caroline Kavanaugh with, well, it's it's usually where in the world is Caroline Kavanaugh and now it's more of like digital updates with Caroline Kavanaugh, baby shark, baby shark, that's the new jingle. Caroline, give us the rundown of some of the things that have happened in the competitive world. Uh, I'm totally going to do that. I'm very excited. I was panicked trying to find, okay, it is here. Also, if anyone's watching this, how did you get this footage? And second, are you watching the bubbles that come from Eric's screen every so often? And I don't mean some sort of alerts or text or something. He's literally blowing bubbles as we're recording this podcast. My um, cats love them. So I was trying to find the fact sheet, and it was kind of hard to do. But once I, I figured it out. Um, so as I said last week, uh, there was changes coming to the qualifiers for this week, which we we talked about, and I was right. They are this week right now is, is last chance qualifiers which were, you have to go 5-0 instead of 5-1. So those have been going over. They've been okay. They've been really small. I don't know if you're ever curious if you want to play these events. Mine had like 40 people. By like the last round, there's just four people playing. Uh, One thing that they don't do is you can still play at X and 1, which sounds fine. (laughs) The issue is... uh, a well, a well-known magic player. You got, you might, you might know. We might have heard of him. Uh, Luis was playing in one of these, and he was four and zero, and he got paired in the last round against uh, a person with a loss, so an X one player. But they played the match, <laughs> and then uh, Luis actually lost, and then the player conceded. So it's a little awkward that the X ones are still allowed to play. Like I had to play an X one in my round three, and if I had lost, it would have felt kind of kind of bad if we're just being honest like if i had lost to an x1 player who can't who can't get anything you're not playing for anything at x and one and if i had lost to that that would have been a little frustrating so i believe for these it's better to make them elimination like once you have a loss you cannot play anymore um and i'm it's not clear to me why they're not set up that way um but you know that's that's my only gripe everything else has been going pretty well so now that we're all used to how it works they're going to change it again (laughs) Um, but they are going to change it again for the better. The, you know, one thing that we ha- have said, and I've been careful to mention as well, they came up with this idea in a week. Like, basically, they're like, oh, my gosh, there's a market here. Let's fill the market here. Throw some stuff at the wall. Like, hopefully it works out. And, you know, it doesn't always work out. So they've made some changes. So here are the changes that are April 11th is the start of season two. So there was two Grand Prix that were season one, and then the finals is this weekend. So season two starts April 11th, Monday. Um, ooh, is it Monday? I realize they might not have qualifiers on the weekends. Mm, well, anyway, so let's say it starts Monday. Um, you have to go five or better at a 
at any qualifier, and then you get it. Uh, you get to play in the weekend Grand Prix. That's cool. However, there is a second way to qualify for the weekend Grand Prix. You have to get a community or a total. That's a better word. A total of ten wins in any of the qualifiers for that week. So you know, anytime from Monday, April eleventh to Friday an April date that exists, um, you have to get 10 wins. So you could go say 4-2, say 4-2 again, and then just join a qualifier and get two wins and hope the heck that it works out. Um, and then you have 10 wins and you get to qualify. I bring up that exact example because our friend and fellow podcast host actually went 4-2-4-2-2-2 in a series of things in week one or week two. And so if you had done that in this new week, you would have qualified for the event. So it is an example of why they're changing it. it. It's encouraging people to keep playing in these events, but don't feel like I spent $75 and have absolutely nothing to show for it. There is some downside to this. This does mean that someone could just theoretically spend a ton of money, go two, four, five times and qualify for the Grand Prix. Um, I don't know if that's really what people are going to do it's going to be hard to tell um it does mean that they can't they can't do single elimination anymore or whatever they you do have to let them keep playing it out um and it does mean people are going to play it out more that's also true like people aren't going to drop at x2 anymore you're more likely to actually just keep playing so a lot of incentives a lot of cool things um and then in terms of anything else that's pretty much the same um yeah it's mostly just the points are different Oh yeah, sorry, 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 there's one more thing. So before the, the timing of the events were 3 a.m., 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., they've now added a fifth event. So it goes 3 a.m., 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m. So one of the major complaints that I had and that other people had was, if I have a full-time job, I basically can't play in these events. And now that's not true. Now there's, there is a evening, 6 p.m. Pacific, have at it, you know, finish work, go play. And that's great. And I think that's a cool change as well. Yeah, Sean, that's something I remember when in our initial discussions of it, that was kind of a big hang up that you had. It was like, yeah, this is great that we have four a day, but really it's only one for me, if if even one to play in. Yeah, it is pretty nice that it'll be easier to play a tournament every day for me, which will be nice. Um, also, the 10-win adjustment is even better. So, <laughs> I mean, hopefully I just like, keep par for the course of just four two two events and then just you know limp into the grand prix with two wins in the last one like it should be golden so i'll probably uh jump in after those changes um take place i'll jump back into standard then but yeah good changes for me at least i'm excited good, for everyone good changes all around you know we'll leave it we'll leave it at this um your your icoria initial impressions all for good or bad your icoria initial impressions in one word it has to be at least three syllables Conan Hawk, we'll start with you. I don't know if I know a word that's three syllables. It, 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 le- it, it just more than two. Gigantic. Gigantic. That is that is that is Mr. Toolshed's word for his impression of Icoria. I'm gonna let this go until you can figure a word out. Who are you asking? Either one of you. Oh, I didn't know it was my turn. I was googling descriptive words. <laughs> descriptive <laughs> words with three syllables. <laughs> descriptive polysyllabic words. Monstrous. Monstrous. That's another one from Sean. He's at two. He's up two zero. Daz uh, Ling. Ooh, nice. I will let it slide, but I would normally be dazzling for two syllables, but yeah, I'll let it slide, especially if it's, 
I could see the Canadian Minnesotan kind of dialect could could space that out to three. I'll I'll, I'll let also that happen. In Scrabble, Dazzling might be worth more than Gigantic. I'm not 100% sure. That's very true. She did throw a Z in there. I got one. I got one, class. I got one. Go for it. Go for it. Complicated. There we go. Oh, dang. That is a good one. And finally, a Conan Hawk. Um, Optimistic. Nice. What a great way to end it. That was nice. I like that. I'm optimistic about, about everything now. Thanks to talking with all of you. And for having the audience there as well, all of our tens of listeners, because we, we really appreciate uh, any of any and all of you that come and listen to this little podcast that we have going here. And if you if you like it, uh, if you if there's things you love about it, if there's things that you think we can improve, please leave a review on whatever podcast service that you use, be it iTunes uh, or Spotify or anything else. You're gonna tell us to stop doing the pointy meme thing because we're not gonna stop. Yeah, that's gonna keep going regardless. Yeah, so that's you know. not gonna stop. You can How join else will the, we know the where tens we of are. people that don't listen anymore. Exactly. <laughs> It's very the directionalness is 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 always going to be there for us. But anything else, we would really appreciate it if you would, uh, you know, subscribe to us, leave any reviews that you would like. We would love to hear from you. Uh, and of course, you can always tweet at us uh, at, at Swagoy Gaming, which is always great to see as well. And you can visit our website at swagoy.com. S W agoi.com where you can learn all about all of our esports teams from uh, Hearthstone to Magic the Gathering and anything else that we have going on like our variety streamers and otherwise and that's going to do it for us for this week but you can always find out about where our co-hosts are doing around the internet by finding them in different places and yes I didn't use proper English there because I don't need to anymore so let's go around and start with uh, Mighty Linguini Caroline Karen Caroline the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, where can people find you on the internet? I would love to know that answer, too. Just kidding, I do. Uh, Twitter, at Mighty Linguini. Instagram, at The Mighty Linguini. And twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays. I always have a magic guest. We don't always play magic. I have a really teeny tiny guest this week. Her name is Dana Fisher. She's super adorable. She called me last week on a Sunday asking me how I was doing, and it was super cute. Um, and we're going to play some draft. She's going to chill out with me. Um, we have to play before her bedtime, so we'll see how that goes. Awesome. <laughs> Mr. Toolshed, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Toolshed or Twitter at Toolshed. Um, I'm going to be playing some Historic Cube this week, possibly playing Spellbreaker Valorant if I'm lucky. So come hang out, and I'll be playing some Magic Fest online next week as well. Awesome. And the ever-optimistic Conan Hawk, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Conan Hawk. Or you can find me streaming on Twitch Monday through Friday on twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. Uh, so um, if you saw on Twitter... There were requests for uh, content creators to apply to be in the upcoming preview event, which has not technically been announced, but it's okay. It was tweeted about, so it's fine. Anyway, we are participating in it. Once we know when the date is, we'll let you know. But uh, all three of us that produce content on the Twitches for Magic will be participating in it for the first time, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I I really would tell you the the details. I just don't know what they are, Um, but that's pretty cool. It will come out. It will be after this podcast but before we record again so that's why i wanted to to say it now so they're a secret is what they are and people will just have to tune into your twitch channels in order to find out more when the time comes that's what it's going to be 
Of course, they could find me on Twitch, but I barely stream. But I will start streaming more because, who knows, I have to stay home all the time because of the, the world events. So you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Brasky1142. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Brasky1142. And uh, as optimistic as we are, uh, as we go off into the world, it is time to do so. And so we are going to end the podcast here. We thank you for joining us, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. Bye, everybody. So optimistic with how you said that. Poop snake. I am very optimistic all the time. Sassy poop snake. That's a magic card we need. I want to see that mutate. Oh. And I'm out. You're <laughs> That's and how we Caroline do. never did the podcast again. <laughs>